part three section five of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain that sincerity of desires and endeavours which is supposed to excuse in the non-performance of things in themselves good particularly considered it is much insisted on by many that some men though they are not able to perform spiritual duties such as repentance of sin love to god a cordial acceptance of christ as exhibited and offered in the gospel etc yet may sincerely desire and endeavour after these things and therefore must be excused it being unreasonable to blame them for the omission of those things which they sincerely desire and endeavour to do but cannot concerning this matter the following things may be observed one what is here supposed is a great mistake and gross absurdity even that men may sincerely choose and desire those spiritual duties of love acceptance choice rejection etc consisting in the exercise of the will itself or in the disposition and inclination of the heart and yet not able to perform or exert them this is absurd because it is absurd to suppose that a man should directly properly and sincerely incline to have an inclination which at the same time is contrary to his inclination for that is to suppose him not to be inclined to that which he is inclined to if a man in the state and acts of his will and inclination properly and directly falls in with those duties he therein performs them for the duties themselves consist in that very thing they consist in the state and acts of the will being so formed and directed if the soul properly and sincerely falls in with a certain proposed act of will or choice the soul therein makes that choice its own even as when a moving body falls in with a proposed direction of its motion that is the same thing as to move in that direction two that which is called a desire and willingness for those inward duties in such as do not perform them has respect to these duties only indirectly and remotely and is improperly so called not only because as was observed before it respects those good volitions only in a distant view and with respect to future time but also because evermore not these things themselves but something else that is foreign is the object that terminates these volitions and desires a drunkard who continues in his drunkenness being under the power of a violent appetite to strong drink and without any love to virtue but being also extremely covetous and close and very much exercised and grieved at the diminution of his estate and prospect of poverty may in a sort desire the virtue of temperance and though his present will is to gratify 
his extravagant appetite yet he may wish he had a heart to forbear future acts of intemperance and forsake his excesses through an unwillingness to part with his money but still he goes on with his drunkenness his wishes and endeavours are insufficient and ineffectual such a man has no proper direct sincere willingness to forsake this vice and the vicious deeds which belong to it for he acts voluntarily in continuing to drink to excess his desire is very improperly called a willingness to be temperate it is no true desire of that virtue for it is not that virtue that terminates his wishes nor have they any direct respect at all to it it is only the saving of his money or the avoiding of poverty that terminates and exhausts the whole strength of his desire the virtue of temperance is regarded only very indirectly and improperly even as a necessary means of gratifying the vice of covetousness so a man of an exceedingly corrupt and wicked heart who has no love to god and jesus christ but on the contrary being very profanely and carnally inclined has the greatest distaste of the things of religion and enmity against them yet being of a family that from one generation to another have most of them died in youth of an hereditary consumption and so having little hope of living long and having been instructed in the necessity of a supreme love to christ and gratitude for his death and sufferings in order to his salvation from eternal misery if under these circumstances he should through fear of eternal torments wish he had such a disposition but his profane and carnal heart remaining he continues still in his habitual distaste of and enmity to god and religion and wholly without any exercise of that love and gratitude as doubtless the very devils themselves notwithstanding all the devilishness of their temper would wish for a holy heart if by that means they could get out of hell in this case there is no sincere willingness to love christ and choose him as his chief good these holy dispositions and exercises are not at all the direct object of the will they truly share no part of the inclination or desire of the soul but all is terminated on deliverance from torment and these graces and pious volitions notwithstanding this forced consent are looked upon as in themselves undesirable as when a sick man desires a dose he greatly abhors in order to save his life from these things it appears three that this indirect willingness is not that exercise of the will which the command requires but is entirely a different one being a volition of a different nature and terminated altogether on different objects wholly falling short of that virtue of will to which the command has respect for this other volition which has only some indirect concern with the duty required cannot excuse for the want of that good will itself which is commanded being not the thing which answers and fulfils the command and being wholly destitute of the virtue which the command seeks further to illustrate this matter if a child has a most excellent father that has ever treated him with fatherly kindness and tenderness and has every way in the highest degree merited his love and dutiful regard and is withal very wealthy 
but the son is of so vile a disposition that he inveterately hates his father and yet apprehending that his hatred of him is like to prove his ruin by bringing him finally to those abject circumstances which are exceedingly adverse to his avarice and ambition he therefore wishes it were otherwise but yet remaining under the invincible power of his vile and malignant disposition he continues still in his settled hatred of his father nor if such a son's indirect willingness to love and honour his father at all acquits or excuses before god for his failing of actually exercising these dispositions towards him which god requires it must be on one of these accounts one either that it answers and fulfils the command but this it does not by the supposition because the thing commanded is love and honour to his worthy parent if the command be proper and just as is supposed then it obliges to the thing commanded and so nothing else but that can answer the obligation or two it must be at least because there is that virtue or goodness in his indirect willingness that is equivalent to the virtue required and so balances or countervails it and makes up for the want of it but that also is contrary to the supposition the willingness the son has merely from a regard to money and honour has no goodness in it to countervail the want of the pious filial respect required sincerity and reality in that indirect willingness which has been spoken of does not make it the better that which is real and hearty is often called sincere whether it be in virtue or vice some persons are sincerely bad others are sincerely good and others may be sincere and hearty in things which are in their own nature indifferent as a man may be sincerely desirous of eating when he is hungry but being sincere hearty and in good earnest is no virtue unless it be in a thing that is virtuous a man may be sincere and hearty in joining a crew of pirates or a gang of robbers when the devils cried out and besought christ not to torment them it was no mere pretence they were very hearty in their desires not to be tormented but this did not make their will or desire virtuous and if men have sincere desires which are in their kind and nature no better it can be no excuse for the want of any required virtue and as a man's sincerity in such an indirect desire or willingness to do his duty as has been mentioned cannot excuse for the want of performance so it is with endeavours arising from such a willingness the endeavours can have no more goodness in them than the will of which they are the effect and expression and therefore however sincere and real and however great a person's endeavours are yea though they should be to the utmost of his ability unless the will from which they proceed be truly good and virtuous they can be of no avail or weight whatsoever in a moral respect that which is not truly virtuous is in god's sight good for nothing and so can be of no value or influence in his account to make up for any moral defect for nothing can counterbalance evil but good if evil be in one scale and we put a great deal into the other of sincere and earnest desires and many and great endeavours yet 
if there be no real goodness in all there is no weight in it and so it does nothing towards balancing the real weight which is in the opposite scale it is only like subtracting a thousand noughts from before a real number which leaves the sum just as it was indeed such endeavours may have a negatively good influence those things which have no positive virtue have no positive moral influence yet they may be an occasion of persons avoiding some positive evils as if a man were in the water with a neighbour to whom he had ill-will and who could not swim holding him by his hand this neighbour was much in debt to him the man is tempted to let him sink and drown but refuses to comply with the temptation not from love to his neighbour but from the love of money and because by his drowning he should lose his debt that which he does in preserving his neighbour from drowning is nothing good in the sight of god yet hereby he avoids the greater guilt that would have been contracted if he had designedly let his neighbour sink and perish but when armenians in their disputes with calvinists insist so much on sincere desires and endeavours as what must excuse men must be accepted of god etc it is manifest that they have respect to some positive moral weight or influence of those desires and endeavours accepting justifying or excusing on the account of sincere endeavours as they are called and men doing what they can etc has relation to some moral value something that is accepted as good and as such countervailing some defect but there is a great and unknown deceit arising from the ambiguity of the phrase sincere endeavours indeed there is a vast indistinctness and unfixedness in most or at least very many of the terms used to express things pertaining to moral and spiritual matters whence arise innumerable mistakes strong prejudices inextricable confusion and endless controversy the word sincere is most commonly used to signify something that is good men are habituated to understand by it the same as honest and upright which terms excite an idea of something good in the strictest and highest sense good in the sight of him who sees not only the outward appearance but the heart and therefore men think that if a person be sincere he will certainly be accepted if it be said that any one is sincere in his endeavours this suggests that his heart is good that there is no defect of duty as to virtuous inclination he honestly and uprightly desires and endeavours to do as he is required and thus leads them to suppose that it would be very hard and unreasonable to punish him only because he is unsuccessful in his endeavours the thing endeavoured after being beyond his power whereas it ought to be observed that the word sincere has these different significations one sincerity as the word is sometimes used signifies no more than reality of will and endeavour with respect to anything that is professed or pretended without any consideration of the nature of the principle or aim whence this real will and true endeavour arises if a man has some real desire either direct or indirect to obtain a thing 
or does really endeavour after it he is said sincerely to desire or endeavour without any consideration of the goodness of the principle from which he acts or any excellency or worthiness of the end for which he acts thus a man who is kind to his neighbour's wife who is sick and languishing and very helpful in her case makes a show of desiring and endeavouring her restoration to health and vigour and not only makes such a show but there is a reality in his pretence he does heartily and earnestly desire to have her health restored and uses his true and utmost endeavours for it he is said sincerely to desire and endeavour after it because he does so truly or really though perhaps the principle he acts from is no other than a vile and scandalous passion having lived in adultery with her he earnestly desires to have her health and vigour restored that he may return to his criminal pleasures or too by sincerity is meant not merely a reality of will and endeavour of some sort and from some consideration or other but a virtuous sincerity that is that in the performance of those particular acts that are the matter of virtue or duty there be not only the matter but the form and essence of virtue consisting in the aim that governs the act and the principle exercised in it there is not only the reality of the act that is as it were the body of the duty but also the soul which should properly belong to such a body in this sense a man is said to be sincere when he acts with a pure intention not from sinister views he not only in reality desires and seeks the thing to be done or a qualification to be obtained for some end or other but he wills the thing directly and properly as neither forced nor bribed the virtue of the thing is properly the object of the will in the former sense a man is said to be sincere in opposition to a mere pretence and show of the particular thing to be done or exhibited without any real desire or endeavour at all in the latter sense a man is said to be sincere in opposition to that show of virtue there is in merely doing the matter of duty without the reality of the virtue itself in the soul a man may be sincere in the former sense and yet in the latter be in the sight of god who searches the heart a vile hypocrite in the latter kind of sincerity only is there anything truly valuable or acceptable in the sight of god and this is what in scripture is called sincerity uprightness integrity truth in the inward parts and being of the perfect heart and if there be such a sincerity and such a degree of it as there ought to be and there be anything further that the man is not able to perform or which does not prove to be connected with his sincere desires and endeavours the man is wholly excused and acquitted in the sight of god his will shall surely be accepted for his deed and such a sincere will and endeavour is all that in strictness is required of him by any command of god but as to the other kind of sincerity of desires and endeavours having no virtue in it as was observed before it can be of no avail before god in any case to recommend satisfy or excuse and has no positive moral weight or influence whatsoever corollary one hence it may be inferred that nothing in the reason and nature of things appears 
from the consideration of any moral weight in the former kind of sincerity leading us to suppose that god has made any positive promises of salvation or grace or any saving assistance or any spiritual benefit whatsoever to any desires prayers endeavours striving or obedience of those who hitherto have no true virtue or holiness in their hearts though we should suppose all the sincerity and the utmost degree of endeavour that is possible to be in a person without holiness some object against god requiring as the condition of salvation those holy exercises which are the result of a supernatural renovation such as a supreme respect to christ love to god loving holiness for its own sake etc that these inward dispositions and exercises are above men's power as they are by nature and therefore that we may conclude that when men are brought to be sincere in their endeavours and do as well as they can they are accepted and that this must be all that god requires in order to their being received as the objects of his favour and must be what god has appointed as the condition of salvation concerning this i would observe that in such manner of speaking as men being accepted because they are sincere and do as well as they can there is evidently a supposition of some virtue some degree of that which is truly good though it does not go so far as were to be wished for if men do what they can unless their so doing be from some good principle disposition or exercise of heart some virtuous inclination or act of the will their so doing what they can is in some respect not a whit better than if they did nothing at all in such a case there is no more positive moral goodness in a man doing what he can than in a windmill doing what it can because the action does no more proceed from virtue and there is nothing in such sincerity of endeavour or doing what we can that should render it any more a fit recommendation to positive favour and acceptance or the condition of any reward or actual benefit than doing nothing for both the one and the other are alike nothing as to any true moral weight or value corollary too hence also it follows there is nothing that appears in the reason and nature of things which can justly lead us to determine that god will certainly give the necessary means of salvation or some way or other bestow true holiness and eternal life on those heathens who are sincere in the sense above explained in their endeavours to find out the will of the deity and to please him according to their light that they may escape his future displeasure and wrath and obtain happiness in the future state through his favour end of part three section five